0: welcome to another episode of your wild and exposed podcast before we begin today's show we have an exciting announcement from our sponsor precision camera in austin texas the largest camera store between new york and la precision camera is offering wild and exposed listeners a free 16 by 24 fine art print of one of your images with free shipping as well within the united states to get this, go to our website at wildandexposed.com. On our homepage, go to the menu at the top right and go to our sponsors page. There, you'll find a quick link to Precision Camera, and once you're on their page, go to the option for a virtual consultation with one of their friendly and knowledgeable staff. They'll be more than happy to discuss and answer any questions that you might have for gear that you're interested in. At the conclusion of your visit, they'll give you a coupon code that will give you access to order this free 16x24 fine art print of one of your images. By supporting Precision Camera, you're also supporting your favorite podcast, Wild and Exposed. Now, on with today's show. Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Mike Morrow, Ron Hayes, Jason Loftus, and Mark Raycroft. Thanks for tuning in.
1: All right, welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed. We are traveling around the globe today, but before we do that, we've got myself, Ron Hayes, and Mark Raycroft uh, of Wild and Exposed. We are Joined today by someone from a country that has not been represented yet, so a lot of pressure on him, Amit (laughs) Eshel, and uh, thank you very much for working this out. We've got a big time difference, so we're recording on a Saturday morning, but in Israel it is what time? It's like almost uh, six in the evening. Six o'clock in the evening, so we're not quite... I think we're nine hours different, but we've been working on this one for a few weeks, and we had to put it off because you had an addition to your family. Is that correct?
2: Oh, yeah. My first, uh, our first son was born about over a month ago. Big moment in life, you know, life-changing event, and uh, pretty fun so far. So Uh, far. Are you sleeping yeah. at all? Uh, actually, uh, until now, he's sleeping pretty well Good. at night. So no complaints. Usually wake up once or twice every night. So it's not too bad. Not too bad. Good. And uh, yeah, and I'm really happy. Such a wonderful, wonderful baby.
0: Excellent. Congratulations. Yes. Thank-
1: congratulations to you and your wife as well. Thank you. So, we start off these shows typically, I mean, with asking the question, "What is your favorite outdoor experience ever?" And it it does mm-hmm. not have to be photographic; just your favorite outdoor experience. Hmm. That's the reaction we usually get.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty lucky to have quite a few uh, special moments uh, in my uh, outdoor experience. But if I had to choose one, it probably would be a very close meeting with the Canada Lynx uh, up in the Yukon. Um, This is a cat that I I dream about meeting for many years and... I tried uh, once and I went to Manitoba and searched for two weeks and uh, I saw one for 10 seconds running across the, the the road and disappeared into the woods and that's all in two weeks. And I decided to try again and a year later and I did some more research and uh, looked around where is the best place in North America to find links. And I kind of uh, found a spot in uh, Northern British Columbia and uh, on the Alaska Highway, and then uh, went up to the Yukon and I actually saw quite a few links, but the meeting I'm talking about was on the Dempster Highway up in the Yukon Uh, I'm sure you guys heard about this road, really cool road. Uh, and I was driving one morning, early morning, and the cat was walking on the icy road. And I always try to go out of the car and, you know, get to their own level. So I, I, kind of went out of the car and I, uh, laid down on the, on the, on the road and the cat kept coming and coming. Uh, and to to a point, it just passed about two meters away from me. And that's not the end of the story. Uh, when he passed, I wasn't sure what to do. I could only fit like, I have like, I could only fit uh, his head in the frame in with my uh, 200 to 400 lens on 200. So he passed and I was, so excited and so amazed by this experience, but the cat passed away (laughs) two seconds, two meters away from me and he turned around, he looked at me and he came back and sniffed my boot and (laughs) for another second or two, and left away and went into the woods again. And uh, this experience, just left me in tears because it was such an intimate mo- moment with nature and such a close and such, such an exciting moment for me, something I dreamt about for a long time. And, you know, when it happens, you don't have the time to think about it. So it kind of takes time to think just after. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is probably the most exciting moment I had.
1: That's, that's one we have not had, but I think, you know, as you alluded to, when we ask this question to everybody, it evokes emotion, no matter what, you know, the, uh, encounter was, you can tell that, you know, it's a, an intimate moment. It's a passionate moment. It's a moment shared and that's what we're all out there after. Right. Right. So that's excellent. you. You know, good job on the research, obviously.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a long research, but uh, uh, that's not the same cat, but it's you not, can see okay. right. uh, that it's a different cat on the same road. Yes, but I the saw other them... cat, uh You can see uh, the close-up of him when he passed just next to me, and you can see like uh, another shot when he's walking straight to me, And with the uh, early morning sun lighting the trees in the background. So that's the experience I'm talking about. So it didn't come as perfect with my uh, English when I tried to explain it. But uh, (laughs) it's the the excitement, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, guys, it's uh, actually, I think, I know it's difficult to find links, but uh, it's pretty doable if, if you do the right research. And yeah, and there is another one with uh, more of the environment, I guess. Uh, so it's, uh, I think it's a message to everybody. If you think about doing something, if you dream about seeing an animal, everything is possible just about research and putting the time and uh, everything is doable.
1: So speaking of that, what caught my eye to your portfolio and what kind of made me want to reach out and see if you'd be interested in coming on the show is your portfolio is incredibly diverse. You've got Puma from South America. You've got Lynx from Alaska, British Columbia. You've got Musk Ox from Europe, correct?
2: I've got musk ox from uh, Norway, and I got musk ox from Alaska. Yeah. So you're very well
1: traveled. So obviously, the research that you do is is not limited to one or two animals. You've done you've done a lot of work all over the world. So what brought you to that point? How did you get your start?
2: Well, uh, I think the what got me starting is uh, obviously my love to animals and my love to nature. And um, it's been a long way because I was uh, not able to travel like this when I was younger. So I kind of started late with uh, wildlife photography. And Probably six years ago, I started taking it seriously when I could finally afford traveling so much and going to remote places to Look for the animals of my dreams, you know, the animals that I always dream about Finding and seeing in, with my own eyes the polar bears and the even the brown bears even the Everything was exotic for, for me even a deer even the I uh, and that's the beauty about it, because when you go to another country, everything is special in your eyes. Everything is something that you're not used to see, mm-hmm. and everything is exciting. And uh, I started traveling around, and I'm, you know, it's a learning process. You start to travel, and then you kind of learn about yourself. You're, what do you like? What do you do? You don't like what? places do enjoy uh, spending a time in as what places you don't enjoy uh, spending time in and for me um, I'm More and more learning that I I enjoy the most the the places that are not crowded Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy the national parks in the United States uh, that much like Yellowstone or, or Denali or those parks which are amazing which amazing views and nature, but I don't always enjoy the crowds. So I'm kind of look for the raw experience. I like going on the Dumpster Highway, for example, going on the Dalton Highway in Alaska. On those roads, you can drive for, for hours and don't see another car mm-hmm. or another person. And it, it's, for me, it adds a lot to the experience. And uh, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, for right now I and mean, looking for those places that you can be by yourself or with a good company and just enjoy and have everything for yourself and uh, I think that's the way I experience nature in the most uh, powerful way
0: anybody who's wondering what we're talking about with these images if you want to pause for a moment or go to our show notes and look up Siberian art on Instagram, and you'll see what we're discussing today. And as far as the breadth of images and how impressive Amit's portfolio is, it's outstanding. So many questions, like snow leopards. Whoa! I mean, you're <laughs> yes. scrolling through. Uh, there's so many images worth stopping on. And, but you've done snow leopards well. Yeah. Great shots. Yeah, another dream. That, another,
2: another dream.
0: dream
2: huh? Another dream, and another research. You know, snow leopard. When going for snow leopard, the research is very, very important because there are quite a few places that offer the chance to see a snow leopard, but there are very few places that are actually good places that you have a chance to see one from a reasonable distance. And one of these places is Mongolia, which is not very well known uh, for snow leopard uh, Uh, tourism or for uh, wildlife tourism. It's a beautiful country. It's a very vast country, very diverse. And I made my research and I found that in Mongolia, there is an area with a big density of snow leopards. And more importantly, the chances of getting close to one over there is better than most other places for a few reasons. First reasons, the mountains are not very high over there compa- compared to places where you go in the Himalayas or most famous place I guess to see snow leopard. It's called Ladakh in, uh, in India, in the Himalayas, which the mountains are so, so high. And it's so difficult to track those mountains because of the, you know, uh, it's hard to breathe. And also the steepness of the mountains, it's, it's not, not doable so in mongolia in that it's it's easier to walk in the mountains the mountains are maybe um, half as half in uh, uh, the himalayas and also the regulations allow you to walk and get closer which in other places sometimes you're not allowed to do stuff so i found this location and i went there and uh it's amazing experience because you, you based your own uh, luck and on the, on the experience of the local trekkers And what they use over there is they use people that live, uh, villagers that live in a spa- place and they know every stone in the mountains. And they, know not, they don't only know every stone in the mountains, that their physical shape is amazing. So they can climb a mountain, uh, like a 60-degree mountain, uh, like straight up. They does not need to take detours or anything to go around. They just go up like this in fifteen minutes. And it's crazy. I've never seen anything like this. And these guys are responsible to finding the leopards because they, they know where to look and they know how to find them. And... The, the camouflage is amazing, but when the eye, the eye is trained to, to find them, they're doing an amazing job. And uh, once they find them, we try to go up as much as we can. We can't go like these guys, but we try to go as much as we can get close as, as close as we can. And it worked out pretty good. with a few different animals so it was an amazing trip i'm planning, planning to do another trip next year i am actually planning to do two uh snow leopard trips next year one to the same place in mongolia and another one to a different location in uh, um in the himalayas in india which is pretty good as well and different in some ways but uh pretty excited about those two trips i don't know if i'm allowed to do a commercial to myself but if somebody <laughs> w- watching the <laughs> watching the podcast uh, and want to come with me i still have some spots. so you can contact me on instagram so, or- michael
1: one of one of the other hosts that's not on today he he very much wants to go do the snow leopards and i think he would probably be interested in visiting with you about mongolia so we'll make sure that that connection happens sure but that's that's amazing to be able to get the images that you've got because we've got we've had some people on the show before that do tours over there but they do the they do the tours in the himalayas and they're you know very consistent on sightings but like you said uh, being able to get to a photographable distance has proven difficult so the, yeah. the images that you've got are are rare, for certain.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I intend to get closer next time. No, you know, you're, you learn from your experience, and next time we do another uh, things a little bit different, and I think we get even closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Himalayas, are the the most famous place that called Ladakh, and it's been famous for for years. It's not a very good place. You can see them from very far away, a few kilometers away. But uh, there is another very good spot in, the, in India, which we are going to go. And it's different because there it's more snowy environment, more landscape, more. And everybody wants to photograph the, the leopard in the snow. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that kind of uh, uh, terms, India is better than Mongolia, I think. So I'm trying to do both. Of people to decide what they like more. (laughs) Closer or more with the snow and landscape? (laughs) Sure.
0: Something to look forward to, for sure. How many people are you able to take with you?
2: It's going to be six for Mongolia, and uh, it's going to be up to maximum nine to India. Wow. And And
1: obviously there's a lot of physical exertion in a trip like that. So not just anybody wants to sign up for something like that. You've got to be in a little bit of physical, decent physical shape, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm trying to do actually to separate those, those two groups, uh, and to Mongolia to take a very good, uh, people that are in very good uh, physical shape because we're going to walk more. Mm -hmm. And in India, there is less walking, but you have to deal with the height more. So it's, everybody you know takes the the altitude differently so mm-hmm. it's, it's less walking it's more like uh, you go and walk a little bit and you stay and wait in a in a spot and wait for the leopards to to, to appear uh, but it's higher so uh, more difficult to, to breathe so different but um, uh, but i have like people that are older i have people that are 65 years old that go with me to india and uh, from what I hear, it's, it's not a problem for people in terms of the uh, physical shape of uh, walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, breathing is different. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody is taking it differently. Some, sometimes young people have very difficult times in the mountains as well, even sure. if they are in good shape. Yeah.
0: So with the snow leopards, are you able to do them just by walking or do you have to be in a hide, a blind, or is, are the encounters uh, just spontaneous while you're walking in the mountains?
2: It's, you're not using a hide. Uh, okay. Awesome. But you try to be very, very, uh, very, very quiet and kind of use the natural uh, obstacles as a hide, like the rocks, and not expose yourself mm-hmm. uh, very much. And, of course, it's important to tell that you don't just go for a walk in the mountains and hope to to see one, because then you're gonna end up walking for hours around and and probably not see anything. So you first kind of must have a plan. You have the guys that are going up to look for them on the top of the mountain, and you, you have the guys that look with the with the spotting scopes from below. And once we find one then we decide what is the best approach to to get closer so we don't you know you don't just walk up and uh, look for them with no sure. no clue
0: that sounds incredible
2: it's it's amazing amazing experience it's like just being up there in the mountains with the beautiful view in the, the fresh air it's such an uh, I'm, I feel so lucky to be able to be and go to those places No kidding. Yeah,
0: so I would love I'd love to have that experience your 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 images just transport one there and would, I'm sure anybody looking at them would love to, to see what you've seen in that situation and just culturally
2: too would be very interesting Oh, yeah. To be there. Oh yeah, that's uh, another part of the trip. So very interesting.
1: I have some friends that live in Mongolia from but travel there can be difficult, right? Getting, uh, getting visas and and being allowed uh, in the country, or is uh, that just for the workers?
2: For us, I I think it depends on your country. I don't I don't know. I'm not sure about the Americas. Might have to get a visa. From Israel, we don't have to get a visa. But anyhow, I don't. I mean, now it's not normal times with the COVID sure. and everything.
1: Yeah, sure, Mongolia
2: is closed right now. Uh, they they did a pretty good job uh, protecting the country. They didn't have almost no cases sti- since it started. So the the borders are still closed. We open they're gonna open this summer, but uh, getting a visa shouldn't be a big problem, I guess. And traveling around uh, um, depends. Uh, it's it's uh, you have to to get it organized. For example, we fly to the. Snow per location. We fly to the nearest city and then we We have the trip organizer with the jeeps that take us three hours into the wilderness hmm. and then we have a camp like a traditional tents camp and then we that's the base for the next ten days and uh, It's a huge country So if you want to do other things you might have to go to the other side for example for the the, the palaces get you need right. to go to the other side of the country. So, But are, it's, it's doable, yeah, and some of the roads are actually pretty good. Uh, it's not as scary as it sounds. Uh, a lot of times when you hear about a country that you know, sounds very far and very exotic and very, you know, maybe third world country, it's not as scary as it sounds a lot of time. It's Everything is doable. Right. Yeah, no, they they have
1: nothing bad to say about the Mongolian people. They love the Mongolian people and have been welcomed there. So it, it's yeah. definitely a place that's on my list. There's so much rich history over there as well as wildlife opportunities that we don't have. So con- yeah. contrast that with the Torre del Paine and the, the Puma.
2: Different... Um... Torres del Paine, it's a very, very strong uh, experience because you get so close to the animals, which is something you cannot do in North America. Obviously, just finding a puma in North America, is so difficult mm-hmm. and uh, it's easier. It's in, in those terms, it's easier because there is a big concentration of cats and the cats are more used to see people just to make sure everybody understand those cats are uh, wild. They are not bordered. they are not baited, they are not anything, they are completely wild. But it's kind of a proof that uh, the cougar, the puma, that is in many other places have a very terrible reputation as a man-eater and super dangerous cat is not looking to eat us. And when you go there you can get very close to the animals, sometimes within twenty meters, fifteen meters away and the experience is amazing. Just being that close to a, a big cat. Uh it's something that you know the adrenaline, there. everything is makes you feel so alive, so uh so amazing. And of course seeing those cats uh absolutely ignore you and uh, Going on with their life hunting playing a mother playing with her with her kittens The experience is just just amazing And I don't think there is another place on the planet that you can do this with the puma's or with any other big cat so every obviously I recommend everybody to do it mm-hmm. and uh Try to do it off season, actually, not in the main season because uh, off season uh, there is nobody there, just you and your guide and could be snow and uh, when everybody else go, there is no snow and uh, could be a few groups in the field that uh, uh, kind of sitting on the same cat and it's different experience. What is the off season down there? Um, it's our summer, your summer, and uh, on the uh, southern part of the of the planet, it's winter. So right. I would go like from June to end of August, uh, which uh, is winter, but it's not. It's not very cold over there. It doesn't get that cold. It's not North America. North American cold. It's not Canada cold. It's uh, reasonable cold for you guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can get snow. Um, not great chance for a lot of snow because the area where the pumas hang out usually it doesn't get that much snow. But everything around gonna be snow the mountains and uh, the environment. And it's beautiful place for other wildlife as well. The two different types of foxes that you don't see in North America, the, the uh, Patagonian gray fox, and the Patagonian uh, red fox. They call it red fox. It actually doesn't look at all like a red fox. It looks like uh, more like a coyote. It's mm-hmm. much bigger, and it's, it's pretty nice looking. Beautiful bird sightings over there. Uh, really nice place to go.
0: Hmm. I didn't know there were bears. I hadn't seen that. Wow. Oh
2: no! I actually I said bears. Sorry about my accent. Birds. But, oh, okay. Okay. But, but but there are bears in South America. I don't know if you know the Andean bears. Yeah, in the cloud forest there are bears, but not not there, right. not far right. south.
0: I've I've i heard. A, I think it was a Dirtbag Diaries episode podcast about a research study with those bears. And Hard hard to get to at least the ones they were studying your puma pictures. The backgrounds are wonderful, right? I mean where they are There's such hilltops and distant scenes the environment spectacular to photograph them in
2: yeah, I was lucky I was lucky with the mother with uh, It's another thing about research. I knew there is a mother with uh, uh, four cubs mm-hmm. I knew She's there right now, and I said I, I have to go so I decided in uh a week in advance, I, you know, called everybody that can help me organize the guide and everything, and I just went there. So you have to kind of uh, see the opportunity and go for it, and that's something that's uh, important also. Like, uh, be. Uh, how do you call it? Uh, you have to be spontaneous. You have to be, you have, yeah. to have your, your radars open all the time. And when you see it, the opportunity uh, to see something special, you go. Because those, those things doesn't happen very often. So that's another advice I can give people. Sure.
0: No kidding. Four kittens.
1: Wow. What an opportunity. That's impressive. And that's there they are impressive. all together. It's even yeah. more impressive than a bear having four cubs because it's it's usually twins for, for a mountain lion or puma, and sometimes three, but rarely four. Yes, yeah. right. That's Your a fortunate August, sighting.
0: August yeah. six, two thousand and nineteen, Instagram post it has all four kittens together. Beautiful light. Yeah,
2: yeah. You can see another one with the mountains behind him. That's kind of a cropped one, and then you can see mm-hmm. the full frame. Which oh, is, yes. I think it's nicer, even. Yes. Uh, July of, so, yeah, July of I, was, I was lucky with, you know, with uh, getting to spend the time with this family and also there with things that happened in the field, like the way they set with the mountains behind them and everything. Yet you must be lucky, but you have to help your luck. That's right. the main thing. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. If you're not out there, you'll never see it.
1: Right.
0: Sometimes you just have to go.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about your jewelry because that that was a part of you photographing correct as I as I recall is getting reference or getting ideas for the jewelry that you make
2: it's a kind of a process that I kind of uh, reached after a few years of making jewelry mm-hmm. when I started I made uh, mostly dog breeds, and I started in uh, probably in 2011. I started making jewelry, and I started with dog breeds. And I decided to do every dog breed that uh, is on the planet, okay. and there are like over 50, uh, 350 different dog breeds. And I made most of them. I think I still have a few left, uh, but very uncommon breeds. And uh, making those jewelry, it's actually what allowed me later to try to start taking uh, wildlife photography seriously, because uh, I was not able to afford uh, traveling that much in those remote places before my jewelry business really picked up mm-hmm. so uh, when I started traveling I started to use the f- the photos as inspiration to create more jewelries uh, for wildlife and uh, the animals that I connect to the animals that I uh, photographed and I tried to do uh, different style of do- jewelry that actually tell a story in the jewelry of the animal behavior or environment and I think guys can see uh if you look at the stuff you can see like uh, uh the jewelry that is inspired by my puma encounters and you can see uh, jewelry that is inspired by uh, my encounters with uh, uh doll sheep polar bears uh, so uh I really enjoy like uh, walking both fields and like inspire it's actually it's inspire uh your, it's kind of inspiring uh, from both ways because it's changed your thinking before going into the field and taking the photo. And when you took the photo, you start to think, okay, how can I uh, get inspired by look- looking at the photo and create something uh, different with the jewelry? So it's, it's really fun for me in the last few years to combine both fields. hmm
1: and it's, Sorry, the baby
2: know. the baby is crying a little bit. I don't know if you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, but that's okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Unless you need to go.
2: No. Go um, get, okay. His mother is with him, so it's fine.
1: Okay, so we. Yeah, you can take a look at the jewelry you've got a few items on your Instagram page as well, and we'll we will direct those in the in the show notes. We'll direct people to you to be able to see your jewelry as well in that sure. website because it, it is uh it's inspiring to see some of the images and then see your interpretation with the jewelry that you've made as well i think there's a bracelet yeah. where there's actually a and i don't know what kind of cat i guess i assumed it was a cheetah or a leopard chasing um an antelope i'm, I'm gazelle. guessing yeah, I, yeah gazelle. I so. okay. gazelle yeah
2: yeah, actually, I made like uh, if you go to my web- website, I have like a blog, and you can scroll down. There is one uh, blog post about uh, you know showing the jewelry next to the pictures as oh, it's nice. inspiration. So it's nice to see it and read this, uh, my explanation over there. Mm-hmm. How my jewelry design changed my photography, and how my photography changed my jewelry design, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, it works together. That's excellent. So most people,
1: I mean, get started at home. Uh, What what do you photograph close to home? Is that Um, where the Nubian Ibex came from?
2: Yeah, yeah, the Nubian Ibex, Arabian Fox. We have wolves. We have, uh, actually, this year I'm going to spend much more time uh, photographing next to home or in Israel, which is a small country only. Six and a half, seven hours to drive from the northern tip to the south tip. Mm-hmm. and we have we actually have a very amazing and diverse wildlife which is not very photographed. And one of the challenges that I put uh, for myself this year to photograph some of the species that I have never seen before and I've never photographed before. And I'm going to try, I'm going to try both, you know, going and spending time in the film, both in with uh, camera traps. Oh, nice.
1: Uh,
2: yeah, because some of those wildlife are very elusive. Some of them are just uh, almost completely nocturnal, active at night. But very interesting wildlife. Uh, we have, for example, the Arabian caracal, which is amazing cat, which I think nobody in Israel photographed one. Uh, i mean uh in a good way for years and we are know their ear we know their ear all over the country but it's so difficult to see one almost impossible the caracal uh, are they
1: are they the long legged bird hunters
2: uh, yeah the one with the ear tuft like yes. it's a uh, black ear tuft and it's uh, the the, the, body, the color of the body is like a light brown beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful cat and it's such an elusive cat, and I'm going to try for it. And actually, I got a pretty good uh, clue yesterday about somebody seeing one only 45 minutes away from my home, which is pretty close. So I'm excited about this sighting. I'm going to try for, for this one. It's going to be easier for me than driving for hours to the south to look for one. Sure. Uh, And uh, another animal that is quite difficult to photograph is the striped Aina. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize they were in Israel. Yeah. They're actually doing pretty good in Israel, but they are also very shy and nocturnal, and it's difficult to see one during the day. Mm Mm-hmm. We have three different kind of foxes. One is very easy, the Arabian fox. It's kind of Arabian red fox. It looks different than the one in South, in uh, North America, but uh, it's an easy one to get. And the other ones are very difficult to get. So I'm gonna try for the two other species. And the biggest dream is a leopard. Mm. And I don't know if you guys know, but and. Till ten years ago, uh, we used to have leopards in Israel. The last one was seen in two thousand and eight, and there is a big discussion if there are any 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 of them left or not not the nobody have seen one, so I'm dreaming about finding one or uh, the best chance of course with 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 the camera trap so mm-hmm. if that's happened, that's uh, like. Crazy, but anyway, it's it's a lot more challenging to to photograph those elusive of uh, creatures, and I find it now very exciting. Something I didn't see like a few years ago. I was all about going there, going there, going to the uh, far corners of the world, and now I'm this am excited about trying to do things, special things in my country, and I'll try
1: especially with the new addition to your family, that kind of lends itself to staying closer to home. But
2: it... Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, I'm I'm still going to travel, but of course this year sure. we don't know with the COVID when we're going to be able to travel again and do it uh, safely. So uh, I try to take advantage of what I have here. It
0: sounds like an incredible challenge. And fun. Yeah. If it, I mean, if it works out, how exciting would that be? Worth trying.
2: Yeah, I'll try. Yeah, I yes.
1: was gonna say Israel is very under-publicized for wildlife, and there, there's not a lot of information out there, not a lot of images out there that I've seen, and it may just be because of, you know, my my network. I don't ha- I don't know a lot of people there. You're the first photographer I've ever met from wildlife photographer from Israel. But you do a lot all over the world, so that probably is yeah. what puts you on my radar. Right. Uh, are
2: there uh,
1: other Are there other photographers in Israel? Oh yeah, successful. They're, they're
0: I have a, like, I have a you, good friend. Do you? Yeah, your own Any. Do you know your own? Oh, your own, yeah. Yaron, Yaron, Yaron,
2: yeah, your own yeah. 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 what? What Any is sure. We your own what? What's
0: the family name? Any. Any. Yes, E I N I. I don't know him. He's a very uh, talented and, and well-versed photographer who's traveled okay. a lot too. But he does all kinds of photography, not just mm. wildlife, but yeah, a good friend mm-hmm. who I met in the field in North America.
2: Okay. I, don't, I don't know him. I, I will look, look it up. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking you were talking about the different Yaron, which is also uh, quite a famous Israeli pho- uh, wildlife photographer that lives in New York. But, okay. uh, anyhow, Uh yeah it's 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 true what you said about uh when you go into social media you you see very limited uh, diversity of animals i mean and it has to do with your cycles of course mm-hmm. but uh that's what actually when i go to on on instagram i see you know the the animals that everybody photographed uh in north america and uh Uh, Africa and uh, the more common uh, things that people do, and it's very exciting and amazing. There is a reason why people want to photograph those charismatic animals. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that's one of the things I'm excited about, to show people like you different nature, different animals that you maybe never seen before, or you don't see them very often on social media. So. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, something that came up to me this year that I realized that's something I need to do and take seriously, and I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah, your your Ibex shot, the, the one that kind of stopped me in my tracks was, it was kind of an int- intimate moment between a mother and the, is it, do you call them fawns or calves or...
2: The ibex, uh, it's like uh, uh, it's a kid. It's ibex. Kid. It's from the okay. from so the sheep goat family. Goat so it's like very family. very much like your mountain goat, or your uh, Doll sheep, a big own sheep. Same mm-hmm. family, a little bit different, uh, but in the same family. Yeah. So and the kid is
1: looking up from under mom's chin, looking up at mom. That yeah. image. It yeah, that was, was a very intimate moment and it, it, it was well captured.
2: It's uh, yeah, we have a very good spot for Nubian ibex. Uh, Nubian ibex are actually quite rare around the world, there's only about 3,000 left, mm-hmm. but in Israel, they're pretty, pretty uh, easy to find. And actually, next month, like uh, early April, it's the uh, the, the best time when the, the newborns are born, uh, early spring, and uh, there is a beautiful spot in Israel just above the cliff with a big crater in the background, where they every morning, every sunrise, they walk in the same route, oh, and nice. uh, it's 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 a beautiful place to spend mornings, uh, especially early April and uh maybe later this uh, in the spring beautiful animals and they're uh, pretty easy to get close to them so i think the sheep family it's uh a lot of times it's easy to get close to those animals so the same with the with the sheep in the in the u.s
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're very tolerant most places yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: i don't know if i can go off on another subject i've muskox are on my wish list to experience someday because i'm just drawn to the north constantly and i have not had an encounter with muskox and you've had the wonderful privilege of experiencing them in in two of the iconic destinations on this planet in norway and in alaska would there i don't know if there's much difference i'm just curious whether it was more whether you found much difference between the animals in the two locations or the whole experience itself when you what you took away from the two.
2: Um, it's, it's different because, uh, in my opinion, the, the experience in, uh, Norway is much uh, stronger than in Alaska, but it also has to do with the time of the year you go. I was in Norway three times during the mid of the winter. And when I went to Alaska, it was like late, late fall, like uh, early October. So it's different. But uh, if I judge the, the experience, uh, first of all, uh, I think the landscape where they are in Norway is more impressive. You have to walk harder. You, have to, you cannot drive with your car and get close to them. And uh, you have to to hike the mountains or if you want to do something organized, I think they go and take people with the dog sleds up the mountains, people that can't walk very well because they're not allowed to go with the motorbike on the mountains. Then you have to go up and you have to find them in a very vast area. But when you find them, it's in the most beautiful uh, environment with the snowy mountains and uh, um, it's amazing animal to observe, um, uh, the males, a lot of time kind of challenge each other and, uh, even outside of the art season, they play together and like sizing each other strength and, and, uh, um, just being up there in the mountains with the fresh air and, uh, uh, dealing with the, the elements, the cold, the wind, very windy on the mountains. Uh, that's what I'm enjoying very much. And the the, the of the weather is, the more I enjoy it. And I think it also shows in the photos uh, that uh, if, you, if you get a nice uh, blizzard and they're all covered with snow or you know, white out and stuff like that, it's, it's, you can really create really cool photos. Uh, as opposed to a normal blue sky. So that's Norway and Alaska where I went, it's on the Dalton Highway. You have to drive really far on the Dalton Highway, like fifty to thirty miles before the end of the road, before a dead horse. Mm-hmm. And they move around during the year. So if you come during the summer or you come until early October, you have a good chance to find them not that far from the road. But once the river is frozen, they're gonna cross to the other side of the river and they're gonna go farther into the, into the east. And it's gonna be more difficult to find. Uh, so when we were there, they just like, it was like a few days before they crossed and then we saw them crossing. So it was uh, it's always nice to spend time with them, but it's always uh, amazing, and you can get close to them. They're a sheep after all, so uh, they're not very afraid of people most of the time, depends where. Like in Greenland, they are very afraid of people because they are, they're hunted. But in other places, they are quite uh, okay with people, but they also have to remember that it's a 400 kilos beast, and you don't want to make it uh, upset. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep your distance, you have to like read uh, their language. And, uh, but the difference what I found that Alaska, the backdrop, the, the, the landscape where they are is not as impressive that, like when you go in Norway on the mountains. Mm-hmm. At least when I was there. And that's what makes the difference in photography I think a lot of time. And I know you can find them in, in Nome as well, which I think maybe Nome it's more, it can be more impressive during the winter. They are more in the mountains over there, so it might be a better place to go uh, during the winter.
0: Yeah, I'd like to try it in Nome. Yeah. I'd time it with the end of the Iditarod. Go there mm-hmm. for, I don't know how close they'd be to Nome at that time of year, but it'd be ideal to, to see that and then spend a week with muskox or trying to find them. But yeah. you're absolutely right. For this species, there's no better image than looking like they're in a blizzard because they look prehistoric and it looks like, you know, they're cold. They can survive anything in the Arctic, in the north. And to, to show those elements along with them is is ideal. And and again, obviously, you're going to remember the experience for the rest of your life for just going through those conditions yourself and making those images in that
2: Yeah, that's a part part of wildlife photography that I enjoy so much, like uh, just being out there and feeling what those animals feels. So if you do it like in a control environment or a lot of times people go to like uh, set up uh, heights and stuff, you don't feel that you are in nature. And uh, for me, it's a big part just being out there and walking out for the photos.
1: Yeah, I agree. I want to cover two things one i you shoot a canon system right yeah you're shooting the 200 to 400 what body are you using are you using did you switch to mirrorless yet
2: not yet <laughs> not yet it feels so small in the hand i don't know <laughs> I, I like i like the the uh, you know the build quality of the the big bodies like so i'm using uh, i have two bodies of the 1dx mark mm mm-hmm. mhm and I have one body of the um, uh, 5D uh, SR, oh, uh, which uh, was a high, high megapixel. Body with a, high, yeah, yeah, with the fifty fifty megapixel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has its own limits, of course, but I like this body. And actually, now I'm 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 thinking about organizing my my gear again, and because I want to do the the camera traps as I told you, and want to do different things, so I might sell one of those bodies and I might uh, get a couple more simple bodies to uh, use as a camera trust because when you put something out there, especially in Israel, you put it in a big risk Mm -hmm. of uh, uh, getting lost or getting stolen by somebody and I don't want to to risk an expensive body over there. So we'll see I'm thinking about selling stuff and organizing.
1: Yeah, that's I guess equipment is the biggest the biggest limitation to camera trapping, because you've got you're you're putting something out in a remote location and you don't have access to it for a while. So it's you do right. want to have a couple extra bodies. Yeah, for something you must. Like and you
2: know, and if you put two cameras, or you put ten cameras, uh, it's a big big difference in in, in your chances. Mm-hmm. So you better put a lot of uh, cheaper cameras and uh, and uh, and your chances of catch, capturing something special and instead of putting too expensive bodies and also risk uh, those bodies of being stolen and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah and
1: then the other thing that I wanted to touch on looking at your portfolio you do a lot of high key and and low key so when you're in snow you're shooting a lot of high key images. And then, you know, in what looks to me like you're shooting the Fox. So it it looks to me like you're probably closer to home in the, in the desert area. And you shoot a lot of low key where you're using backlight, you know, rim lighting the animals. How did you come about that? Was that an inspiration from another photographer? or Is that something that you just kind of started to explore on your own? I think it's both. I think
2: we are also expi- uh, inspired by other photographers nowadays, just looking around on social media and on the Internet and see so many amazing photographers and you can learn from so many people and get inspired. So it's something I started to do and try probably two years ago. and. Uh, pretty uh, challenging to get it because you have to get the right light and you have to get the right, you, you have to get the animals in the right time of the day and the, uh, you have to get bet, like dark background and uh, background has to be in the shade. So uh, if I can get a photo like that, I will go for it instead of like using a, a more uh, traditional exposure. So, uh, it's something that I'm trying to always add to my photography trying to get more artistic trying to do stuff that are like different you always have to remember that everything was done before you don't invent anything but uh right. it's it's more interesting for me these days to really uh do more uh minimalist uh uh, high key images or low key images with just very graphic uh, representation of the animal. Something I'm really excited about. Yeah, well, then and you... it's difficult to do in Israel because uh, sunset and uh, sunrise is so fast. The sun goes up and down very fast, and you don't have a lot of time to to use the sun when it's low. That
1: yeah, that would be a challenge they yeah. they definitely stand out though and that's what that's why i wanted to ask and, and just encourage people to experiment a little bit and take a look at some of these images and uh you know kind of when you have the opportunity give them a chance give them a shot
2: yeah yeah and, and it's a different approach because nature is so beautiful uh and you can just uh show show nature uh The way way you see it in your eyes, but then sometimes you don't bring anything from yourself. It's just like a representation of of nature, documenting the nature, the beauty of the animals. But I feel that I'm bringing more out of myself when I am doing something more creative. That's why I'm excited about it. That's a great point.
0: That's good advice.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: I know not everybody like it i don't i I know not everybody like those uh, graphic images or silhouettes and stuff like that, but I really recommend everybody to to try it and try to go out of the box and try to not always do what the camera recommend you to do in terms of exposure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's really interesting, and sometimes by by mistake, you find your own way,
1: right. The camera and I have disagreements consistently, (laughs) (laughs)
2: like everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, me before we before we wrap it up, I don't know if Mark has anything else, um, but I want to make sure that before we wrap it up, we get your website out there for folks. Um, Go ahead and tell them your Instagram address and anywhere any other
2: social media where they can find you. Sure. So my my website is AmitEschel.com, like my name in one word. My Instagram is either AmitEschel or uh, at Siberian Art which is my business name for the jewelry. Um, and what else? Facebook, uh, Siberian Art on Facebook, where you can see more of my jewelry. Amit Eschel on Facebook, my private profile. Uh, my uh, Etsy shop for for the jewelry. Uh, so you can look me up at Google, or you can, you know, go to Instagram and find all the, those links, or just uh, write me a note, and I will direct you.
1: Yeah, and we'll put the links in the show notes also. I'll make sure we have everything from you, and and we'll get it in the show notes for the podcast. And we'll get a couple yeah. of images to to share there as well. Mark you have anything
0: no this has been fantastic it's been a pleasure to meet you I love your photography and and thank you for sharing some of the behind the scenes as far as like the snow leopards and your experiences and how Mm -hmm. people can perhaps experience that themselves it just opens the door a crack for for us to think about that and I definitely appreciate your time it's been a lot of fun I look forward to seeing more of your work and I don't know as far as this year I mean snow leopards two trips Man, I hope that works out for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I uh, think uh, next, it's next winter, like uh, January and February. I believe uh, we're going to be okay by then. I'm okay. Myself, I, myself, and everybody in my country are already vaccinated. So hopefully it works. But uh, I'm optimistic. I think we're going to be out of this uh, big, big shit by the end of the this summer, I hope. Really, also. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: And yes.
2: those trips...
1: That that Mark was just alluding to. People can find those on your website.
2: I have one of the snow leopard trips on my website. The other one, the Mongolian one, is not on my website yet. Okay, but it's gonna be there soon.
1: Well, we'll we'll let Mike talk to you first before you put it on the website.
2: (laughs) Sure, I will. I will explain you the explain him the difference between the two trips so he can decide what is more. Right for him, mm-hmm. they are different. Yeah. All okay. right.
0: A, a life experience, yeah. just just to be in Mongolia, and and oh, again, as sure. we talked about it's it, it's amazing. The it,
2: and and it's cold over there. Over there, it's really cold, like <laughs> northern Canada cold. <laughs>
0: well, that's good to know. It doesn't yeah. doesn't necessarily look as cold, just but it's more windswept and and because of wind chill, or do they get a lot of snow?
2: Depends on different areas. Uh, some oh, okay. areas get a lot of snow, some areas doesn't get uh, hardly get, doesn't get any snow, but it's very cold and one of the reasons that it's uh, it's also called the, the land of the clear sky. So there is a lot of clear oh. days and you know it's cold there on the clear cold days. Nights. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, but it's fun, you dress well and, uh, and it's fun. <laughs>
0: Excellent. And Mongolia, you're tent camping, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, It's, it's like a, it's called a gear. It's like the round uh, traditional tent, and yes. it's boiling. It's like a sauna inside, actually. Uh, <laughs> there are there are two women that uh, are in charge of the putting uh, uh, wood in the stove, and they do it every two hours. And uh, you sweat inside. You have to take your clothes. So it's, <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> you, you don't you don't get cold at night. That's that's
0: right. good. will <laughs> definitely be a life experience.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. I have to say I enjoy uh, seeing your, your feet. You two have beautiful photos and I enjoy seeing all those experiences from, from the, the States and North America. Some of the animals that I, I haven't photographed very well, like your amazing uh, uh, caribou shots with the, with the fall colors. Where did you take those shots, in Denali or up here in uh, Canada?
0: Uh, both. I've I, if you're talking to me, it's um, yeah. I spent a lot of time in the interior of Denali But also in the Yukon and in Newfoundland different places, but
2: yeah And that uh, I enjoy the moose photos and the difference between the uh, moose in different areas mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, and Ron, I enjoy your your stuff very much as well You know the bears and the the doll sheep and the stuff really inspiring Yeah, well, thank you
1: very much and and likewise it's, it's thank been you. fun to, to be able to observe your, your images and just the way that you see and the way that you interpret the scenes. I think that's probably the biggest thing for me that, uh, yeah. that kind of drew me to want to have you on and, and visit with you a little bit. So we greatly appreciate your time before Mark thank signed you us so off much. and please thank your family for your time also, <laughs> since we're stealing it away from them.
2: Uh, uh-huh. And yeah, uh, look no forward problem. to
1: hopefully meeting you in the field one day. I, I would, hope so. I would yeah. love to come to Israel, to be honest.
2: Oh, you're always welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's I... gonna be yeah, it's gonna be different experience for you and you're gonna enjoy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Yeah,
0: I feel the same way. I mean, it's surprising when I look at your Instagram how many places that we've been, obviously not at the same time. So hopefully one of these days I'll have the opportunity to meet you in person in the field, that would be fun. You can find more of today's content at wildandexposed.com. As far as our constantly referring to show notes, there's information there on each podcast. When you go to the page and you hit explore on the homepage, it takes you right to our podcast page and there's a whole list of them. The most recent one, this being up there, you click on it, you can see a few images of meets and some of the show notes. And of course, as we referred to his links, if, uh, for his, all his different contacts and his website, etc., You can find more of the Wild and Exposed team's content on Instagram, on Facebook, at our website. Our podcasts, the audio versions come up every Tuesday and the video versions are up on our YouTube channel on Fridays. Please take the time to check that out. Give us a thumbs up, the five star rating. Those help us to continue to do what we love to do and to bring you this content on a regular basis and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's free. There's new content, new playlists, stuff popping up all the time. Thanks, Samit. Thanks, Ron. It's been another fun podcast. Until next time, you've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna
1: make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way. We will be the biggest
2: band in town. Round and round the world we'll go.